Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? We're back with you once again for another episode of the Canadians Connection Podcast. My name is Joseph Whalen. We're at episode 34. It's the Donald Dufresne edition of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined with, or joined by, excuse me, by the Donald Dufresne to my Michael McCarron, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Boy, to be compared to Donald Dufresne, that's, uh, <laughs> that's awfully nice. Well, I, I think of, when coaching. I think of 34, I think of... Uh, uh, Peter Popovic, I think of Sergei Zoltok, a great name. Um, yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> or even, or even um, uh, Nigel Dawes. Um, uh, and I, I don't know if Canadians fans remember Nigel Dawes, but um, he played uh, part of a season for, for the Canadians, and uh, he was acquired by uh, Goche. Uh, in a trade with Atlanta, and um, uh, I think it was for Ben Maxwell. But um, Nigel Dawes um, uh, went on to play in the KHL, and do you know that this past season he was second in scoring in the in the AHL in the KHL? No, um, I did not. <laughs> Nigel Dawes, yes. Well, in fact. Two former Canadians played uh, a pretty prominent role in the stats in, in the KHL. Nigel Dawes, 28 goals, 41 assists, 69 points in 60 games. And wow. the other being Darren Dietz. Darren Dietz led uh, all uh, KHL defensemen in scoring. Uh, 15 goals, 38 assists, 53 points in 62 games. And he um, went ahead and got his Kazakhstani passport citizenship i don't know anyway he's playing okay. for kazakhstan in the world championships is that but Nigel um that's doing that no no sorry D- darren oh, deets darren deets okay yeah oh good but, to hear darren but, deets uh, still doing things uh you mentioned uh donald Dufresne and and since this is a a, a coaching episode <laughs> uh, our big topic is all about coaching and we have some news coming up about some coaching um changes uh, Donald Dufresne, uh, one of the best, I would say one of the best teachers I've ever seen in person on the ice uh, when he was with uh, St. John's and Laval, um, did an extraordinary job, uh, not only with the defensemen, but um, particularly those guys who were rehabbing and coming back from injury and spent extra time with them. Uh, tremendous teacher on the ice. And uh, after uh, leaving um, the uh, Laval Rocket, he went back to Ramuski and and did a great job there this season. Uh, with Ramuski going, I think they made it to the third round of the uh, QMJHL playoffs. Don's afraid that was uh, yeah a great tie in there, Joe. Yeah, it only felt right. And Michael McCarron, someone that he's coached uh, that he coached in in St. John's, so uh, that that was that was a nice tie in as well. So. Um, and Nigel Dawes, by the way, shout out 2005 World Junior Hockey Championships, one of the best teams ever assembled for Team Canada during that lockout. 
and Nigel Dawes was a part of that. So, I, uh, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> now that that's out of the way, um, will we get things rolling with a little bit of Canadians related news? And and we talked about coaching, and you mentioned that this is going to be a, an episode that we that is that is largely focused on coaching. And uh, there was a piece of news that came out this week that that certainly divided Habs fans on Twitter and on social media. And that was that Michel Therrien is back in the NHL. He will be an assistant coach for the Philadelphia Flyers along his, uh, his friend. And, and much was made of, if you remember, back in 2014 when these guys met in the Eastern Conference Finals. Alain Vigneault, uh, when he was coaching the New York Rangers, Michel Therrien when he was coaching Montreal, a lot was made of their relationship. And that came to, uh, to fruition when Michel Therrien was hired as an assistant to be on uh, Elaine Vigneault's staff. So what did you make of that? Yeah, kind of, uh, um, uh, there was always a competitive friendship there uh, is, is the way I interpreted it between yeah. Michelle Therrien and Elaine Vigneault. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's interesting to see them um, back together interesting in in Philadelphia you know they would go from a, a, a former NCAA coach and Dave Haxtell um to to big names right well three yeah. big names uh yeah. three former head coaches when you add in Mike Yo to uh Terrian and Vino and um and the interesting thing is and and that's what Comcast was looking for big names um uh as, as far as we know. Um, but it's interesting that, that Vino has always been labeled as a, as a vet friendly coach. And certainly from our experience in Montreal, we know <laughs> that that fits um, Terry into a T. Uh, and yet you've got all of these uh, young prospects, particularly uh, on the defensive side um, that uh, are in the Flyers uh, uh, on the Flyers roster, so it's going to be interesting to see um, how that works out. Although it's um, as they divide up the duties, it's been said that um, uh, Terrian will handle the the forwards and the power play, and and uh, Mike Yo will be uh, looking after the penalty kill and and the defenseman. Um, also interesting in Montreal, I thought um, was that it it kind of stirred up this whole discussion about um, uh, Quebec coaches in the um, NHL. And they talked about with Terrian and Vigneault back uh, that it once again gives Quebec uh, coaches hope. And they pointed out, you know, recently Guy Boucher has been um, uh, turfed, uh, which left, um, I believe it left only Jim Montgomery as, as a, a uh, Jim Montgomery uh, with Dallas being uh, born in former Montreal Canadian and being born in Montreal. Um, yeah. uh, but of course, Jim Montgomery to, to the, the French media doesn't really count. And, and uh, <laughs> they mentioned that Claude, Claude Julian doesn't even count because he's a Franco Ontarian. So uh, yeah. all kinds of, of uh, little pieces <laughs> of this being banty bantered about um, yeah. with uh, Vigno Ontarian. Um, uh, in the and Terrian back in the NHL again, and and one thing that I saw on Twitter as well was a lot of the, the a lot of people that were saying, oh well, according to the so-called insiders at the time, Michelle Terrian was never going to coach in the NHL again, 
And to that, I say, I think most made the distinction that he was not going to be a head coach in the NHL Correct. again. This was always in the cards. We look at look at Jacques Martin in, in Pittsburgh. Are you telling me right now that, I mean, I know that there are some rumors floating around that maybe he's a candidate for Buffalo, but that might not happen. And I think that this is the role that suits Jacques Martin at this time. And he's had success in Pittsburgh as an assistant coach. I think that Michelle Terrian could have success, but as you say, he's a vet-friendly coach, Elaine Vigneault, known as a vet-friendly co- coach, and uh, and you have, uh, yes, Borchek and, and, uh, and Giroux, but beyond that, that's, that's largely a very young team, so it's an interesting fit, and I think that was an important thing to note, that most people at the time were very careful to make the distinction. The NHL is uh, known, especially for coaching, is to be a, an old boys club, and and the, and the Philadelphia Flyers took that to a whole new level, when uh, not only hiring Michelle Terry as an assistant, but Mike Yo as well. So it's an important thing to note that most at the time probably said not a head coach anywhere else in the NHL. And I, yeah, and I th- I think not only is Michelle Terry known as a as a, a, a vet friendly coach, which isn't all a bad thing, but um, no. uh, I think more so than that, the criticism and it still remains is his inability to communicate with players. And, and when the Canadians were most successful under Michelle Terry, and it was uh, Gerard Gallant who, yep. who looked after the communication role. He was the intermediary between uh, the players and, and the coaching staff and, and uh, Terry, yeah, Terry and just wasn't, just wasn't very good at that. Um, the communication now, um, how, how it'll all play out in, in Philadelphia. Um, we'll see, but I, I mean, it should be noted that historically this shouldn't be a surprise with Vino and, and Terry and going there because historically um, of course the Canadians draft, the most uh, players from um, uh, from Quebec, but who's second? The Philadelphia Flyers, uh, historically. Yeah. So there is some. Uh, it does make sense in 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 uh, a certain way. Yeah, and I guess we can move on to one uh, <laughs> one friendship that has kind of led to a working partnership to another. When you have Matthew Darsh joining former Canadian Matthew Darsh joining the Tampa Bay Lightning as the uh, director of hockey operations under someone that he is said to have had a, a rather uh, long uh, relationship and friendship with in Julian Brisebois. So that was also another one that, that I guess it kind of makes sense when you look at it uh, through that lens and, and obviously Tampa Bay going through a little bit of a shakeup in the front office. Uh, what did you think of that? Yeah, it's, um, I've always said uh, the hockey community is a very small place and, and um, it's who you know. And and it was Julian Brisebois who signed uh, Matthew Bedarsh to uh, a contract um, way back in 2009 um, with the Hamilton Bulldogs when Julian was the, uh, I guess, the, the GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs um, and yeah. in the Canadians organization. And then um, Matthew Darsh was able to parlay that into uh, a couple of extra seasons as a utility man playing up and down the lineup with, uh, with, with the Canadians, uh, and then went into the private sector. And, and now because of that relationship, 
uh, Julian um, Breesbaugh has brought him into the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. And that's a that's a good deal for Matthew Darsh uh, to be joining the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, for years people said if you wanted a championship ring, you go to Detroit because you're going to get a good crack at it. And I mean, I know when people think of Tampa Bay, they look at this past the playoffs and Columbus. That is, you know, that is not a great moment for Tampa Bay, but things are going to get better. And obviously when you have a core like they do, even when guys like a, like a Braden point need to get paid, you're moving young pieces up into that lineup. They've got a great system. Benoit grew. We talk about, we just talking about coaches from Quebec. Uh, my goodness. Uh, when is this guy going to get a look in the NHL? And they've been turning out player after player. So this is a, I think a, a really, a, I mean, it's, it's great news for Matthew Darsh. I think this is going to be a, a hopefully it would be a successful partnership for him and, and uh, as director of hockey operations as well. So not a, not a bad job. <laughs> And Matthew Darsh, Darsh does have a, an association with Syracuse. Um, now, he played for Syracuse when it was uh, under a different affiliation, um, yeah. but uh, he, knows the, he knows the market. And, and, you know, there again, there's a strong pipeline, uh, Syracuse being one of the top three teams in the regular season in the AHL uh, this past season. They, they uh, stumbled in the playoffs, but um, as did the parent club. Uh, but uh, Matthew Darsh is, is uh, I think, is is probably very well connected in in that community as well. Yeah. So, uh, will we move on to news that is a little bit more uh, <laughs> a little bit more concerning? The Montreal Canadiens. We were talking about former members of the organization leaving or uh, or going to another another team in the NHL. We did have some uh, Canadians news. This week, they signed uh, left-hand defenseman Otto Leskinen to a two-year entry-level deal. And this guy looks like he potentially is a 22-year-old guy. He's, he scored eight goals and 31 points this past season. And uh, and when you uh, hear people talk about him and a player like a Yoni Ikenen, who Montreal Canadiens fans might be familiar with, sounds like he could maybe quarterback a power play, potentially. Yeah, he was a, a, a teammate in Cal Pal with uh, Yoni Ikenen, um and uh, was one of the. He was certainly the the, the top defenseman, uh, top offensive defenseman on on that team, and and uh, and in the the uh, Finnish Elite League. Um, I think that um, you know there there is that excitement about what he can do on the power play. Um, uh, but but making that leap to having him uh, be uh, Shea Weber's partner in the NHL, yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's a that's <laughs> a giant leap. Um, <laughs> he he'll need some time and maybe considerable time. We don't know in the um, in the AHL with Laval. Um, you think about it uh, that that the Canadians have brought in have made these kinds of signings with Yurabic. Uh, uh, Moravchuk, uh, Sklenichka, uh, all with the same kind of hope and dreams. And, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I think that, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that's good on the, on the power plate, wasn't used on the penalty kill. Um, his defensive game is something that needs some work. And, uh, 
and his size has been a, 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 a disadvantage for him and maybe a further disadvantage going against the bigger forwards um, in the NHL. So um, let's, let's, again, as, as we always say, <laughs> let's, uh, let's show some patience and, and, uh, and see where this goes. As we talked about last week with the uh, with our top five rankings of prospects, patience is key. It's a 22-year-old, and, and yes, you look at some of these numbers, you hear chatter about him and what he could potentially provide. It's important that you temper expectations for a guy, especially a 22-year-old that's coming over, and, and you know he's going to have to adjust to the North American game, as all players do when they make that leap. Um, so yes, making, uh, making connections between him and Shea Weber and potentially being, uh, you know, a Markov that can lay those passes in nice and, uh, nice for, uh, for Shea Weber, that might be a leap too far, but, uh, uh, another fin, uh, Finnish born player, which seems to be a, a place where Montreal Canadians are, uh, are very comfortable in going, uh, and getting Finnish born players. So, uh, that's something to, uh, to, uh, to note as well, but, uh, it, hopefully, he could potentially be that guy one day. I wouldn't necessarily, uh, as you said, there's there's still things that he needs to work on, and uh, and that's important to note before uh, you have him penciled in on your top line uh, left <laughs> left defenseman. So, um, and with that said, <laughs> speaking of of putting up some points, Nick Suzuki, my God. <laughs> He just set a playoff record for the Guelph Storm. He put up 36 points, and, and that is uh, the most points in it by a Guelph Storm player. He passed uh, Martin St. Pierre uh, in that category, and he has since gotten that record up to 39 points in just 23 games played. And he scored an absolute beauty of a goal the other night. Uh, it was his 38th point of the playoffs, a nice toe drag and a beautifully placed wrist shot. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about him for the past, what, three episodes, four maybe. He just continues to roll along, and and so do the Guelph Storm with a 3-2 lead now over the uh, Ottawa 67s. It's, it's remarkable because I don't think – when the playoffs began, um, Guelph, I mean, they're a strong team, but I, I don't know that um, – they were being thought of in terms of uh, Memorial Cup appearance, and that's kind of well. They're one game away from uh, being in the, the Memorial Cup, um, and uh, uh, a large part of it has to be uh, credited to Suzuki, who is just ripping up the the OHL playoffs. <laughs> um, absolutely setting, as you said, uh, setting a record. Uh, uh, getting his his uh, his third straight uh, most sportsmanlike player, um, and uh, you know he's he's fit in uh, awfully nicely with Rat- Radcliffe, and and uh, yeah. they're just uh, almost unstoppable. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's exciting news as a as uh, being a Habs for all Habs fans, and and uh, wherever he ends up uh, next year. Uh, Laval most likely. I think that's most likely. Um, uh, and with Laval struggling to score this past uh, season, um, he would be a welcome addition there as he, you know, uh, um, 
learns to play uh, against uh, uh, bigger, bigger uh, uh, opposition and, and, uh, and improve his strength a little bit and, um, and his defensive play and, and uh, get in on the forecheck and those kinds of things. Um, but uh, you know, who's, who's to say uh, he's certainly surprised in the, in the playoffs and he could surprise in training camp in the fall as well. I mean, that, that would be a, a dream scenario for Montreal Canadiens fans who have already, uh, a fair amount of them, have already penciled him in <laughs> on their opening night rosters. So they, I'm sure that'd be something that they'd love to see. And uh, you mentioned that Ian and Isaac Radcliffe have been uh, tearing up the OHL playoffs. And last night, Suzuki picked up an assist <laughs> on a goal from Radcliffe, uh, extending it to uh, 39 points, as I said, 39 in 23 games uh, for Nick Suzuki. So. We'll have to see how that uh, how that all ends in uh, for uh, for Guelph potentially with a with an OHL championship. Who knows? Um, so I guess we'll move on and, and I'll we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, one PK Subban who was the subject of our question of the week, which I will read right now. Uh, rumors suggest that PK Subban may be on the move. Would you like to see him back? in Montreal. And this is something that has been floated uh, that's been floating around on Twitter. And, and, and really, I mean, when you look back and think about the trade a number of years ago, now PK Subban for Shea Weber, I'm not sure many people imagine that we would be here in, in May of 2019 discussing a potential move of PK Subban from Nashville. Well, uh, I, I think that um, there were so many, um, Habs fans at the moment that uh, PK Subban was traded to Nashville, um, I, I there was a lot of Habs fans that became PK Subban fans, uh, <laughs> you know, putting the the name on the back of the jersey ahead of the crest on the front, and they kind of um, uh, shelved their their Habs fanship, and um, you know the. We, we, we heard the criticism of Shea Weber. We heard the criticism of, oh, I, the, the silliest story was about Max Pacioretty being the cause of, of Subban traded. Uh, and so everybody was haters of, of, of uh, Max Pacioretty. They were haters of Carey Price. Uh, it, was, it was all about uh, P.K. Subban and not the Habs. Um, and before we get too far, too deep into this, uh, you mentioned that it's our question of the week. Uh, we want to hear from you. Um, now, you can reach out to us on social media. Uh, look for All Habs, all one word, All Habs on Facebook for our Facebook fan page. Um, and also, you can you can reach us uh, on Twitter. Um, this show has its own uh, account, um, uh, uh, Habs Connection, at Habs Connection. Um, or you can uh, reach out to either Joe and I uh, at at All Habs or at Joe Whelan 19. Um, and we're, the, the comments are, are just piling up. I should also mention <laughs> that if you're listening to us live, um, uh, the show is live. You can call the studio at 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754. Or if you're listening to us on demand, text us anytime, 24 hours a day at 5853-ROCKET. That's our Rocket Sports Line, 5853 Rocket. And you can answer the question. Rumors suggest that P.K. Subban may be on the move. Would you like to see him back in Montreal? We've got uh, people on both sides of this. And 
And it's funny how this has really blown up. Um, you know, uh, uh, the Nashville finds himself in a bit of a cap crunch. And, uh, of course, P.K. Subban's takes up a large chunk of that uh, with with his his large deal, $9 million, and, and um, which makes him, as Darren Drager has said, makes him tough to uh, sign. But there's no... Uh, shortage if you if you if you look um, um, there's there's an article on the athletic that says that any number of teams whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs whether it's New Jersey Devils whether it's uh, Philadelphia Flyers actually one of the Philadelphia Flyers beat reporters um, talks about um, uh, a Jake Boracek for PK Subban deal and um, uh, talks about how much Elaine Vigneault admires P.K. Subban. Uh, and uh, <laughs> what's missing in the article, uh, I think is odd, um, is there's no mention of Michelle Tarion in the article and the relationship between Tarion and Subban, which we know was uh, frosty to be, uh, yeah. to be generous. Yeah, that's uh, and it's it's really when you think of PK Subban, I mean, there was a lot of people that shifted their allegiances when it came to uh, if they're a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, then they were a fan of the National Predators. But those that were not that far, that were you know that were still Habs fans, but they but they were a little bit frosty that the organization traded PK Subban. I think now they're starting to see. Not why it happened, because I think there's a lot of different reasons why it happened, but P.K. Subban at $9 million per, and also, you know, there's there's issues there that, that are bubbling underneath the surface that I think fans in Nashville are starting to see kind of come through. And it took a while, but eventually it got there, and, and maybe now this is a contributing factor as, as well as the uh, rather significant uh, cap uh, situation that P.K. Subban uh, that he requires. So it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, unfolds. And uh, of course, yeah. of course, <laughs> Brendan Kelly uh, from the Montreal Gazette <laughs> chimed in and that's his, uh, his most recent, what the puck uh, column. And you know that, that for the last two years, um, uh, Brendan Kelly has been PK Subban all the time. Um, he, he was devastated when Subban was traded and, um, uh, uh, his every column since then has been about PK Subban. So now he was only too willing to dive in and and talk about uh, uh, PK Subban being traded. He mentions uh, another destination, and that's uh, Columbus, um, with uh, Duchesne going the other way. Um, it's it's um, it's it's very odd. And and the interesting thing is that. Um, at the at the the, the clean out uh, day, uh, PK Subban himself was asked uh, because these rumors have been around for a bit, and um, Darren Drager uh, is kind of uh, interpreting his comments as being, you know, Subban being resigned to the fact that it could happen. He talks about hockey being a business, and he talks about. Um, you know, uh, understanding his uh, his salary cap hit and and all of that. So um, I, it doesn't seem like PK Subban is all uh, too tied to um, uh, Nashville either. 
Um, and uh, I think the most interesting rumor is uh, concerns uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and their interest. Yeah. That would be that would be fun uh, to have him back <laughs> in the in the the, the Leafs Canadians rivalry, and uh, and as well to see PK Subban under Mike Babcock. That would be that would be fun. That would be an awful lot of fun. If nothing else, it would be very fun to have that element added to a rivalry that I think actually needs that sort of thing. You know, we've talked about the Bruins and the Canadians rivalry. I think the Leafs and and, and have lags behind uh, quite a lot. So adding something like that, I think that could only help. Um, <laughs> and it is a very odd couple to think about if we we were talking about Michelle Terry and P.K. Subban. P.K. Subban, I mean, you look at the 2014 uh, Olympics, he didn't play under Mike Babcock. He played a game, that was it, and Babcock seemed very reluctant to give him anything else, anything more than that. And even at the World Hockey Champion, or the uh, World Cup in 2016, excuse me. So uh, that would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Joe, Joe, you mentioned yeah. um, the, the Boston Bruins, and, and maybe we can just do a, before we go to yeah. the second segment, maybe we can just do a quick update for our uh, uh, listeners on the uh, state of the NHL playoffs. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, we have the Western Conference Finals that are going to be getting started tonight. St. Louis and San Jose both coming off emotional game seven victories. You had Patrick Maroon scoring a goal and the the images with his nine-year-old son, which were just fantastic. And then you had a very controversial goal that went in for uh, the San Jose, or excuse me, that was called back uh, uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. And that uh, sent Twitter into a, and, and you just knew that it was going to happen as well. It was either going to be an offside that's, that's calling goal back or goalie interference. And, uh, and it was the former that, that sent uh, the Colorado Avalanche fans into a frenzy on Twitter. It did, and and um, uh, Landis got, got caught in the zone, and and you know there was the the, the talk. Uh, Don Cherry uh, was talking about uh, the benches uh, being on the same side of the ice, and and that uh, making uh, putting one of the the doors to the bench so deep into uh, the territory. Landis got to the door, probably would have been off in time, but uh, as Don pointed out, the Backup goalie was nowhere to be found to open uh, to open the yeah. door. Uh, uh, but listen, I I have said for you, um, if if you've heard me on uh, Habs 360, the predecessor of this show or this show, uh, the the biggest rule change I would like is uh, the trapezoid rule. I'd like to get rid of it. And uh, but second to that, second to that, I agree with Don Cherry. I think the benches need to be on opposite sides it would solve so many problems um, yeah. and in this case in particular then the the bench doors would be in the neutral zone uh and the only reason the absolutely only reason that the benches are on the same side is for tv so that they can get shots of of um the benches uh from the cameras on the same side now you think if it makes so much more sense to have the benches on either side, uh, the networks could spring for one additional camera on the opposite <laughs> side of the rink. You think that that would work? 
uh, with ah, the uh, the type of contracts or the uh, media contracts that they're out there these days. Um, I, you know, say what you will about Don Cherry. He's right on this. Uh, the benches yeah. should be on opposite sides of the ring. Yeah, I agree. And one thing else that Don Cherry, well, one thing that he might be happy about is the, <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes lost to the Boston Bruins, a bunch of jerks. Uh, five to two, <laughs> a uh, a five two loss to the Boston Bruins, and the Bruins lead the Eastern Conference Finals series, one game to none, and uh, some questionable penalties on Dougie Hamilton uh, caught your attention. You, you know, I, uh, guys complain about penalties um, uh, all the time, but um, in that game, uh, Carolina had a, a, a two to one lead, and. Uh, there was uh, three penalties in a row on Carolina early in the, in the third. And that, that just flipped the game. Uh, absolutely flipped the game in, in the Bruins favor. Um, and, you know, I have no love for the Bruins, obviously. <laughs> um, but what bothers me is I've seen all through this playoff after every single whistle you have, it's either Bergeron or you have Chara. They're lobbying the referees. They're constantly yeah. whining. They're constantly uh, complaining about, about things, constantly lobbying. And those two calls on Hamilton were ridiculous, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Um, he was protecting himself. Uh, you know, he, the um, uh, uh, Bruin was the aggressor on, on, um, um, on the first call. Um, but okay, if you want to call it a reverse hit or whatever, but the second call was ridiculous. It, it the, was. The, the puck was in the feet um, of the Bruin, and, and um, uh, he got called. Uh, Hamilton came in, delivered the hit, and got called for interference. It, horrible call. Absolutely yeah. horrible call. Uh, and Rod Brindamore after the game thought so too. But all those penalties combined um, flipped that game, and it seems throughout the playoffs, the Bruins have, been, have got the benefit of the doubt uh, in every case from the officiating, and I'm not starting any kind of conspiracy thing here, but they sure uh, get favorable treatment uh, from that cozy relationship between Jeremy Jacobs and Gary Bettman. And, yeah, just a couple of things, okay? So, the, yeah, and uh, the second penalty on Dougie Hamilton, as, uh, as well as just being bad, it also looks like David Back is embellished a little bit, if, if, if all things are equal. It looks like he, and, and, you know, that's a guy that has, Concussion history, obviously, yeah. but it looked like to me that there was some embellishment there. And the first one, I believe it was Sean Corrali cross-checking the back of Andrei Sveshnikov. How that isn't at least two two a piece. If you're going to call the first on Hamilton, I, first of all, I don't understand it, but you've got to at least equal those ones. You got to even those out because that also was a very dangerous play into the lower back of Andrei Sveshnikov. So, uh, yes, I, I think it's, it's fair to, uh, to wonder why a team like the Boston Bruins, having some players with a uh, rather lengthy history, or, well, one in particular in Brad Marchand, are getting the benefit of the doubt the way that they have. Um, so, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that as this series goes on, uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye for. And, uh, and you mentioned Rod Brindamore, the coach of the, of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, how about we take a quick break and discuss coaching in the Montreal Canadiens organization? Sure. 
All right, so after the break, we're going to be discussing Claude Julian, Joel Bouchard, coaching at all facets of the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, that'll be just after a quick break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rockets more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadian Connection podcast. We were talking about all things related to the Montreal Canadiens, including a bit of news that came out about Michelle Therrien joining the Philadelphia Flyers. So with that in mind, being a former coach of the Montreal Canadiens, we thought it would fit in very nicely if we discussed what we thought of the Montreal Canadiens uh, and their coaching staff, uh, the coaching staff of the Brockett as well. Basically, an all-encompassing edition of, of just a, a coaching review for the Montreal Canadiens for this season and look forward at what they could potentially do next season. Um, so it's a conversation that we've had a couple of times. We've, we've talked about Claude Julien a couple of times. He's come up a little bit uh, this past season. And, uh, I mean, what did you make? Do you look at this season as uh, more of a like a step in the right direction or, or was it ultimately just another year where the Montreal Canadiens don't really accomplish much and you have to look at the coaching staff as a reason why? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think it was a, a bit of a, I, I mean, let's hope it was a, an evolution uh, for Claude Julien. I think we saw um, a different Claude Julien um, this past season, I, I think the the kind of hockey that the Canadians uh, played was different from what we've seen uh, uh, from Claude Julien before, and I, I think that uh, it was pretty clear that that when um, 
Claude Julien arrived from Boston, and, and of course, he was uh, fired with Bruce Can- Cassidy taking over. And, and uh, uh, right away, Bruce Cassidy changed the kind of system that the Bruins uh, played, uh, quite different from from the Julian coach system. Uh, but yet when Julian came to the um, Canadians on Valentine's day, he, uh, he instituted his system and which uh, at the time um, the Canadians didn't have the personnel to fit to, into his system. Um, yeah. His, his, his uh, method was um in whatever zone um, outmanning the other team uh, overpowering the other team Uh, and the Canadians and, and, uh, and just putting shot after shot after shot uh, on the net. Well, the Canadians didn't have the the personnel, the size um, to, to play that way. Um, They, they, they couldn't get to the front of the net. They couldn't take advantage of rebounds. Um, And uh, it was a system that, that, um, really was a failure and, and ultimately le- led them to a, a 28th place finish um, the year before last. And, and um, so bringing in um, some, uh, some new blood in the coaching staff, uh, certainly the defensive scheme changed a lot under Luke Richardson. And, and I think uh, it's fair to say that Luke Richardson got the best out of <laughs> not much back there, not yeah. much on the left side. Um, he did really well um, to maximize uh, uh, the the folks on the on the left side of the defense, and and the influence of Kirk Muller playing and and Dominic uh, Ducharme uh, playing more up tempo, moving the puck, uh, getting it uh, you know right away D to D and 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 out. Um, it was uh, uh, very different from from a, a Claude Julien team. So there was there was a, a certain uh, progression uh, that I think was positive. I think as the season went on, we saw uh, Claude Julien kind of r- go back to what he's most comfortable yeah. with, uh, and the five on five offense dried up. Um, and, um, you know, some of the, the personnel uh, uh, decisions, uh, particularly on the fourth line, um, that was a struggle. And, uh, uh, it, it, it's, uh, let's, let's hope that it's moving in the, in the right direction and that Claude Julian understands that, uh, the things that, that are easy and, and his go-to positions uh, are kind of outdated and and uh, have been for quite some time in the NHL, and yeah. um, he's going to have to he's going to have to adapt. One of the first conversations that we had about coaching on this podcast earlier this season was the entertainment value discussion, where Claude Julien came out and said that they were in the entertainment business, and you know I give him credit for being able to look at the way that he was coaching and understand that not only was it not entertaining, but it was also not going to produce any results. Um, Whether or not that was because of front office approaching him or, or, you know, knowing that his job could be on the line, I I separate that entirely because I think that there have been enough guys in throughout all sports that have not been able to put, their past successes aside and, and really change with the game. 
and and it has left a lot of coaches behind and and unwilling to change the way that they see things and Claude Julian he did that but like you said I think as the season went on the Canadians brand of hockey kind of changed and reverted back to a style that really wasn't it wasn't entertaining which I mean if that was going to be what you're going to go by then you know it, it would have been good to go throughout the entire season playing some sort of uh, entertaining hockey Canadians yeah they went back and forth down the stretch but regardless when you think of the way that they also managed a Jesperi Kotkaniemi that's the thing that I take issue with it was when that guy was sitting out because of perceived fatigue against a team like Winnipeg against San Jose and there are games earlier that in that stretch where you could you could have rested him against a, a weaker team and they didn't do that so ultimately that falls at the feet of Claude Julian and that is a part of of a season that's part of uh, of going through an NHL season you have to manage those things and you can look and say that the Canadians were a 96 point team they were successful and and they they took steps in the right direction I think those are things that are all fair to say but at the end of the season the result was the same you're not in the playoffs and a lot of that should fall at Claude Julian because ultimately you look at a guy like Yasperi Kotkaniemi who I don't think was managed properly uh Carey Price had to play a lot of games <laughs> and you know whether or not that's more on him uh or Bergevin, that's that I don't know. But regardless, when you look at this past season, they're not in the playoffs. The power play was woeful, and I think that's something that extends uh, throughout the organization. So there, there are things to improve on, and, and would you put the power play chief among them? Oh, the power play was dreadful, absolutely <laughs> dreadful. And, um, you know, many were quick to, to jump on. Uh, it was a shared responsibility this past year between Dominic Ducharme and, and Kirk Muller, and many were quick to jump on the two of them uh, for their scheme. But as, um, as they both said, um, you know, our, our power play looks great in, um, uh, in practice. And then uh, when the game comes, it doesn't look like anything like we practiced. It's the execution yeah. that's missing. <laughs> And the execution means that you have the wrong personnel on the ice. And that's Claude Julian's um, uh, call. Um, yeah. That's he's, and, and we saw you talk about the mismanagement of uh, Kotkiniemi, but um, what about the mismanagement of Jonathan Duran? I mean, um, that was, that was awful. Um, yeah. Duran was, um, you know, I, I, I know many are, are, are kind of uh, put it down to that he had a, a, a bad, you know, last month or last few weeks. It, it, was, it wasn't. Uh, yes, no. he was getting points, um, but he's there uh, to get points on the power play. He's there to um, get game-winning goals. Um, he's there to do those kinds of things and, and be the game-changer kind of person. Uh, particularly against uh, the the teams that you're competing with in the playoffs. And we saw, and, and I, I, I won't run through it again, but we saw um, his stats against the, the bottom feeders. He piled up the points against yeah. the Detroits <laughs> and, and the Ottawa's. 
uh, against the, the, the teams that um, the Canadians were competing against in the, um, uh, for the, a playoff spot. Jonathan Duran was invisible, and and part of that is on the power play. Three power play goals the entire season. Three power play goals the entire season uh, for someone who spent, um, uh, you know, well, just, uh, a good portion of of his ice time on the power play, and 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 yeah. one of the top power play uh, ice time getters, um, and uh, you know was making poor decisions, absolutely poor decisions, and I think. Uh, the execution relates to the personnel. The personnel goes back to Julian, and and that's where um, he made some uh, dreadful mistakes. And and I, I'd like to see, um, you know, the the um, and 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 whether you want to give it to Kirk Muller or Dominic Ducharme, give it to one person and give them full autonomy in terms of the scheme, in terms of personnel, uh, yeah. and in in terms of uh, you know making that that rewarding the guys who are, are uh, being successful on the power play that didn't happen this past season. And this all reminds me of, of a, of a quote that came from Joel Bouchard earlier this season, that he did not need a good power play to win games. And I'll let you be the authority on the AHL and the Laval rocket. You followed them more, uh, more closely than I have, but that seems to be a organizational problem when you're looking at a power play and saying, well, you know what, this is, this is only a part of the game. If we're, if we're winning other facets of it, then it doesn't matter as much, but it's still a part of the game. And the Canadians power play sucked the life out of the bell center on multiple occasions. (laughs) More, I, I don't know how many times it just completely sucked energy out of the building. And I, 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 again, I'll let you be the authority on it from the AHL side of things, but those comments seem to reflect uh, a wider problem and one that if it's stemming from a coach in the AHL saying that it's not required, then that can only mean poor things that are going to keep happening. Correct? Sure. You know, just about the sucking the life of the bell center uh, and, and you're mentioning Claude Julian's uh, comment. We're in the entertainment business you had yeah. to add the caveat, except on the power play. There was there was yeah. no entertainment value there uh, whatsoever. But but yes, uh, Claude Julien sets the scheme and and the way the Canadians work. That's what's adopted by the the organization. So yeah. um, whatever the schemes are in the um, in the NHL are adopted, or there's uh, in the past have been adopted uh, by the AHL coach. Now Joel Bouchard has taken a bit more license with that. Um, and, and I understand he would, he would love to have, uh, not have to rely on the power play, but his comments were, were foolish. And, and I think that, that, uh, Joel Bouchard, um, let's be frank. And we're evaluating coaching across the organization. He had a tough year, really bad year. And Joel Bouchard came in, um, to the AHL with no pro coaching experience and came in with the attitude that. I know everything about the AHL. Uh, he, he showed he, he even he even um, uh, didn't know some rules as as time went along. But uh, <laughs> he came in with the know-it-all attitude, and that he was going to apply uh, everything that he had uh, had uh, done in junior uh, to the AHL, and he failed miserably. We can hope that uh, it was a humble season for him, uh, that 
that he takes time to, to both he and Bergevin take a, a, uh, some time to evaluate, evaluate uh, both the choices they made for the roster uh, and, and the, the way that um, uh, they set up their, uh, you know, the, 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 the lineup, the, the, the Laval rocket could not score goals. Now, they they had good goaltending um, for most of the the season. Uh, defense was good with uh, with a large uh, contingent of players with NHL experience, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they could not score and uh, they could not score five on five. They could not score on the power play. Uh, so uh, you know those were the kinds of comments that came by, back to bite uh, uh, Joel Bouchard. It showed his inexperience and. Uh, um, and particularly without, uh, you know, any pro experience on the, on the bench. Um, uh, it was, uh, it, it was a tough season for coaching in, uh, in the AHL and, uh, they're going to have, they have a lot of work to do, um, this, uh, this summer. And the first is in, uh, Hugh, what do you think? Yeah. And, yeah, so I guess it was shifting gears a little bit, having talked about all the things that went down over the course of this past season. I mean, would it just be, I mean, looking at the way that they played in Montreal, that being who I'm, who I'm talking about, I think there isn't a whole lot that I would really like to change about the way that they played or, or the schemes or anything like that other than, having a little bit better execution on a power play. And that seems to be where their focus is. I mean, you can't make too much of a signing like the one that they made with Otto Leskinen. But the one thing that it does show is that they are focused on uh, getting younger left shot defensemen, younger guys in general, who would be able to power play a quarterback, or uh, excuse me, a quarterback, a power play, <laughs> better than a Jonathan Drouin did this season. Um, but beyond that, is there anything else that you look at when you see this Montreal Canadiens team and by extension, the Laval Rocket and say, if I could change something about the way this team is playing, it would be that. Well, um, I, as I said, I think the, um, the personnel um, uh, who's, who's, who's chosen um, and, and who gets the ice time um, both have to change in, in Laval and um, uh, Montreal. Um, and I think if there was any kind of um, uh, significant change to the coaching staff, um, I'd look at um, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and what they did in adding a special teams coach. Um, uh, and, and it certainly seems to seem to have paid off. And of course it was Columbus that, that edged out Montreal for that playoff spot. Uh, they blew, they brought in, um, um, hockey hall of famer, Marty St. Louis, um, to work yeah. <laughs> as a consultant, um, with the blue jackets. And, um, I think if the, the, if the Canadians could find, uh, the right person, um, I, I know it was tried uh, a few years back uh, when Rick Dudley was in the organization. Um, he brought a uh, uh, good friend, Craig Ramsey, in, and um, I think that there was uh, that worked 
uh, Craig Ramsey brought some great ideas, but, but then they would be overridden by the head coach. So um, it was, it was kind of a, a pull push kind of thing. The, 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 the person brought in would have to have uh, some authority, but, but if, if there was any, anything that I could offer as a, um, you know, a, 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 a tangible change, uh, it would be bringing in a, a, a specialist, a special teams kind of coach. With all the coaches that, you know, in an organization that, you know, with the consultants of various levels and, and the guys in the press box, it, it's hard to believe that the Canadians don't have someone that's just focused on special teams and that was such an issue all season so I think that would be that would be a very good change if they could find the right guy and uh, obviously uh, a guy that would be able to have his voice heard and, uh, and and voice all of his concerns about the way that things are going so uh, yeah and so even I guess, even yeah. even broaden it up if if you wish and make it a skills coach uh, many teams yeah. have have a skills coach uh, and that that would have a natural uh, tie in with, uh, with the power play. So th- that's, that's another way, a different way that, that other teams go. And, and, uh, it seems to have worked out. So I guess that would be a, a good point to, uh, to wrap this one up. And, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about a guy who's known to be a power play quarterback. That time I said it correctly. Uh, uh, PK Subban. Uh, so we're going to get to the answers of the question of the week, which have just been flooding in. Uh, like I say, there's not much that gets Canadians fans talking like PK Subban does. And uh, that has shown to be true once again. So just once again, the rumor suggests that PK Subban may be on the move. Would you like to see him back in Montreal? We're going to get to your answers on the question of the week. And, uh, and we'll see if we maybe even have a bad tweet. So that'll be up after this break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, 
Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, going with the question of the week, which once again is rumors suggest that P.K. Subban may be on the move. Would you like to see him back in Montreal? And my goodness, <laughs> we have gotten uh, a lot of responses on, on both Twitter and Facebook. I'll, I'll handle the, uh, the Twitter side of things. We have Blaine Potvin from the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast. I love P.K., but unless Petrie is the one being traded in return, not likely, then no. That level of cap hit should be used at a top-line forward. We have Habs fan forever at 24 red, white, and blue. Nope, don't need that contract. Don't need sideshows. We have Samuel Gerber, uh, who's, uh, who's at is uh, Gerbs 76 PK. So uh, <laughs> uh, if he learns how to shoot left in the offseason, then yes. On a more serious note, he would make the game more electrifying. But if rumors are true, the Habs did themselves a favor. Getting a team guy in Weber and getting rid of a me guy in Subban would be fun. If he went to the Leafs, echoing what you had said, uh, what you said earlier, that would be uh, that would be fun. Uh, Chris G at Habs at Chris Habs 360. PK is a great player, but Habs don't need a huge a third huge cap hit on their payroll. The Habs right side is in good shape. We have Blackhead Yen. You know, he's a wonderful human being, and what he did and still does in Montreal with the hospital. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like the man, but the hockey player in himself doesn't excite me that much. And, uh, and, you know, we have some people that are saying yes. I mean, we have Ian Beckett saying yes, him and Weber, and that would be, that would be cool. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, we have Mark Lindsay saying Ernie to the left side, and that seems to be uh, what most people are pointing out is that, yes, in principle, having both Shea Weber and P.K. Subban would be great, but the left side is the need right now. And even, as Blaine pointed out, uh, a forward. What's Facebook saying? <laughs> well, you can join uh, the Facebook conversation. Uh, look for All Habs, all one word, All Habs on Facebook. And we have uh, thousands of interactions on the page, hundreds <laughs> of comments. It's, it's, it's exploding. Um, Glenn Jam says, uh, Subban's not a team player, more of a showman. Uh, Matt Anderson says Subban might go to Calgary where, where he and girlfriend Lindsay can be jet setters in Banff. Uh, Franklin Jones says uh, Subban is Toronto bound or on his way to the Ducks. Uh, Glenn Briggs says, absolutely. The bond he and Price had was amazing. Price would love the move and we need to keep Price happy. Um, just uh, sorry, Greg, uh, that was a bit more of a, what you might call a showman. Uh, they didn't hang out a lot uh, um, uh, off the ice, uh, but uh, a little bit of chemistry on the ice, or a little bit of fun, anyways. Uh, but they're not yeah. a not a close friendship there. Um, uh, the, Pierre Simino says, "I'd take him back in a heartbeat." Um, Linda Ann Ha says, "Would love to have him back." Um, David Steele says uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs will swap him for a Nylander. Uh, Marie Jose No says, nope, too disruptive in the room. Um, Anne 
Coulter Smith says, no, his personality doesn't fit. He suffers from the me syndrome, <laughs> which uh, it's not <laughs> an official <laughs> diagnosis, but okay. Um, Pino Pasqua says, no, he wore out his welcome in Nashville because he has a big ego putting himself ahead of the team, and it happened there as well. Um, Mark Antoine Roulette said he should never have been traded in the first place. Come home, PK. Um, Mike Baljuan says, no, he was a disease when he was in uh, Montreal and he would be again. Um, Mark Bazanson says, no, thanks with a group of young talent. We have in the chemistry in the locker room. We don't need PK's drama or distractions. Uh, it goes on and on and on. And if you want to add your commentary to this, as you see, we, there's, there's, um, um, I, I haven't counted, but there's, <laughs> There's uh, uh, opinions on both sides of the issues, rather strong yeah. opinions, uh, passionate opinions on both sides of the issues. And uh, you wouldn't expect anything less with respect to Habs fans. But when the name P.K. Subban comes up, uh, there's uh, there's a little bit extra uh, yeah. uh, uh, commentary and, and passion, I think. Yeah, and... It looked as though for me that Twitter was a little bit more, uh, excuse me, it was a little bit more, um, they weren't on the fence as much, but Facebook, that was, that was divided. So uh, it's, it's really interesting to see uh, Habs fans have these discussions. I mean, it's, it's obviously a a large, largely based on a hypothetical uh, situation, but even still the idea of PK Subban coming back, uh, it has split Habs fans, uh, and I'm not sure many would have expected that after all the uh, the backlash that the initial trade received in 2016. Um, so, with that said, we might have a bad tweet. Do we, Rick? <laughs> I think we do. All right. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadian's Connection. Who caught your attention this week? Well, maybe maybe it's not a maybe it's not a bad tweet. Maybe it's more yeah. of a self-serving tweet. And this comes from Lappy fourteen. That being Maxime Lapierre, the official account of Maxime Lapierre, who uh, we remember as uh, someone who um, had a, the the equivalent work work ethic to uh, let's say Jonathan Duran when he was with the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens, but he's been off in in Europe and and uh, continuing his career there. Uh, but he had something to say about the Montreal Canadiens organization and comparing it to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he says, now this is in French and, and I'll give you a rough translation. Um, I have a small thought. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have done very well to be patient at the trade deadline. I'd rather be in the shoes of Mark Bergevin right now than those of Yarmo Kekalaikin. The future for the Habs is beautiful. And there's, okay, there's a, a nice sentiment there, but, um, you know, uh, Jarmo Karakalaikin uh, at the end of the season said he would, in a heartbeat, do exactly what he did uh, this, this last time. And I think that yeah. uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets had, had a playoff appearance and, and uh, uh, with some smart signings, they'll be, um, they'll be ready to go again next year. Um, I guess when I saw this tweet, I wondered, you know, we've got Matthew Darsh uh, <laughs> being brought in kind of a, you know, a, a utility kind of player being brought in 
uh, by Tampa Bay. You have Frankie B um, without any kind of uh, experience being brought into the Canadians organization. Uh, and is uh, Maxime Lapierre angling for a job uh, by buttering up <laughs> the uh, Montreal Canadiens GM? Yeah, it seems like a sound strategy. Uh, we'll see if it pays off in the end. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting take, though. Um, you know, and, and uh, Yarmo, uh, he said at the time, Yarmo Kekalainen, that draft picks meant nothing to his players. So, ultimately, yes, it didn't pay off in them winning a Stanley Cup, but they could afford to do that because a lot of their core, you look at a Pierre-Luc Dubois, you look at a lot of, you know, it, there's some really nice pieces there already. So, it doesn't mean as much, uh, you know, even though, they did sacrifice uh, some nice pieces in the end. I think that uh, Columbus shouldn't regret what they did. It, it almost paid off. So, uh, yeah, an interesting take from Maxime Lapierre, potentially looking to uh, to get a job uh, with the Canadians. <laughs> so uh, will we wrap this thing up for another week, Rick? Well, before we do, we just want to let everybody know to um... – Head to the, there is a website for uh, this show, and that's CanadiansConnection.com, CanadiansConnection.com. That will take you so you can listen to all of the episodes in case you missed uh, any of our, uh, our previous podcasts. Um, the other place you should go, the other destination is AllHabs.net. New content every day. Uh, and uh, it will it'll keep you up to date on on all of the the news with respect to the Montreal Canadiens in the off season. Um, you can um, uh, also uh, find on allhabs.net. Just look for the podcast tab. You can look for um, the other three podcasts. There's Canadians Connection. There's From the Press Box, which is our focus on the AHL. There's uh, Lewis and Gibby with Have a Listen. They had a new podcast out this week. And uh, uh, Matt Blaine and Treg with Habs Unfiltered. And you can check out back, ish, back episodes of that podcast as well. And before um, we end, and, and I know you, you'll want to tell them where they can uh, also <laughs> find uh, uh, the podcast mobily. I just want to say, uh, before I sign off, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, and uh, have a great day tomorrow. And uh, for all of our listeners, be sure that you uh, uh, think of your mom, contact your mom, and uh, do something nice. And if, if you want some motivation, head to the Canadians website, the Montreal Canadiens official oh. website, <laughs> and watch Brendan Gallagher's uh, phone call, his FaceTime phone call with his mom, Della. Uh, it's, uh, it's very amusing. They also added a Victor Meta one today, which uh, I, I watched earlier was was also good uh, <laughs> good to watch. Um, yeah, so like Rick said, if you want to go back to CanadiansConnection.com, you can listen to me and Rick talk about coaching earlier this season when we were talking about entertainment value. Those episodes are all there. And as Rick mentioned, you can find this podcast as well as the other three under the Rocket Sports umbrella. Have a listen. Have's unfiltered and from the press box on all your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. Uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. You get all four of them. And uh, yeah, as Rick mentioned, we'll be back uh, next week uh, right here at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. And, and as Rick mentioned, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Make sure that you make uh, tomorrow a big deal like the Habs players did calling their mother on mother's day 
uh, and uh, yes, uh, that would be uh, that'd be a good idea. Um, so we'll see you this time next week. Going to be discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. As for now, we will say goodbye. But thank you again for tuning in to the Canadiens Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.